Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Real Life Oscar Challenge. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Michael Vito. I'm another one, Lars Emerson. And I am another one, Kathleen Lovito. That's right. And today, we're here to talk to you about what, Kathleen? <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're here to talk to you about some more movies. So let's set the stage. The year was 2005. It was the year that Hurricane Katrina struck Louisiana. It was also the year that YouTube was launched. Whoa. Whoa. Right? Whoa. This feels modern. Yeah. But most importantly, it was the year I turned 11, Lars turned 10, and Kathleen turned 9. And it was the year that five movies were nominated for Best Picture. Those movies were Brokeback Mountain, Capote, Crash, Good Night and Good Luck, and Munich. And we're going to talk about them right here, right now, for your listening pleasure. So let's kick things off with Broke Back Mountain. Story about just two guys. Story about two dudes. Two bros, broing out. Helping each other out. Directed by Hang Lee, written by Larry McMurdy and Diana Osana, based on the short story by Annie Proulx. Uh, starring Heath Ledger, Jake Gyllenhaal, Anne Hathaway, Michelle Williams, Brokeback Mountain. Story of two guys who get a job herding sheep in Brokeback Mountain in Wyoming. Uh, they end up falling in love. They strike up a little thing. Um, they end up going their separate ways, but sort of bring themselves together and drive each other apart over the course of the next 20 years. Um, Kathleen, what? this was your first time seeing this movie. Yeah, it was. What did you think? You know, I liked it. Yeah. Um, so, context for everyone, um, including myself, this movie takes place in 19... From 1963 to 1983. I thought it took place from 1910 to, like, 1911, so I was really confused when they were cars that <laughs> came out of the 60s, um, but I really like this movie. Um, I just did the things I wanted it. It was long. It is. I'm gonna say it's long. I didn't think. I don't think I needed it to be that long, but um, just over two hours. I, but it's like the story is it, like it. It some. I don't think it drags, but I think that they could have done it in an hour twenty. It covers a lot of ground. Yeah, I mean twenty years. Impactful ground. I don't think it's disserviced by its length. No, d- no. D- <laughs> no, bless you. Sorry. Certainly doesn't waste time. I don't think. Yeah, it, it gets its money worth. Yeah. Well, yeah, not that it's really even that long. Go on. That's kind of what I had to say right now. Okay. Michael, this was also your first time seeing it. Was it was like... Except Michael <laughs> once remarked that he's seen clips of this movie, which prompted us to ask, What clips, Michael? <laughs> so, why don't you clarify? It turns out I'd actually seen way more of it than I thought. But I wasn't like paying, it was like my roommate was watching it and I wasn't like paying attention at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's true. Like, it's like the way, it, this is the first time I, I, I perked up a couple times. This is the first time I watched it where it like actually like mattered. Um, I like, this is, no, this is like, a, this is a really good movie. Like, I, I realized like well, as we were doing, as we embarked on this project, that like pure romance stories don't really do it for me. Um... But sexy but romance. But this one did. But, Why? <laughs> no, but like this one did work. And in a way that, and I think part of it is because it's it's of how sort of 
I mean repressed it all is in a way. Yeah. Um, and it gives the characters this kind of extra half. Like Heath Ledger's performance in this is so just like bristling with like machismo and just like rage because he can't be with the dude he loves and he just like gets in the fights and gets real angry and he's real surly about it. Um, so he's really good in this and then like um you have you have jake jonah just kind of gets gets swept up in in sort of like the life of a wealthy texan well like a middle-class texan um yeah no it's it's it's, it's a great movie I feel like about the american west where it's supposed to, like this is place of like immense natural beauty um but it also demands like this like very harsh stoic way of like it it it's sort of like make sentimentality impossible but that's kind of like the opposite of what ends up happening is like these two people become sentimental for each other and like love each other um but in a very masculine rugged like rough and tumble environment where they have to i mean they're lit- like ennis Silmar played by Heath Ledger is like literally afraid of being murdered um and and i think it's you know it, it's about two people trying to find peace and yet like there are so many things keeping them from finding that. And I found that very sort of like sad and but also really well done. Lars? Oh, it's my turn. <laughs> I I agree. I, I think Brokeback Mountain is kind of like the ultimate neo-Western. Is I, I think it deals with like masculinity in a modern sense. It's like you look at the Western as like kind of the epitome of like traditional American masculinity and, like, what it meant to be a man, but then you look at the neo-Western, like, Brokeback Mountain, or even, like, Hell or High Water, or, like, there are there are other bold things I can put in there. Like, I don't know, like, Firefly, I would kind of consider a neo-Western. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it looks at masculinity in a different light, where it's still very much about, like, like, conflict and passion and, like, pushing feelings down, but I think um, Brokeback Mountain kind of like, elaborates on that, like, contrasting with, like, the beauty of the West and, like, the beauty of that passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this movie. I think yeah. it's really, I think it's very, like, sweet, and I think it, like, casts the West in the light that the 21st century was meant to cast the West. It's, like, the traditional Western cast, the American West, in, like, a very, like, 19th, 20th century way. There's, like, mm-hmm. there's cowboys, and there's Indians, and there's, there's these, like, factions. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think, and it's like, there's one guy who's got to be, like, the most macho, macho mm-hmm. man. Um, but I think this makes it more, like, individual and more personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also just really well made. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, this, this movie just kind of hits everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the music in this movie is so good. Um, like, to this day, one of my sister's favorite songs is, like, the sound like the main theme of this movie bling 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 um bling. um uh-huh. it's I don't know, it's nice like you feel you feel yeah. along with this movie you, you feel, feel you feel sad you feel conflicted you feel like a little weird at times um i don't think we've had a lot of movies so far that have quite had that yeah and, like, what, what I think makes it interesting kind of different, too, is that it's about, like, you know, it's kind of like the, 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 the like, message line is, like, ah, oh, if you can't fix it, you got to stand it, um, which is my very half-assed Heath Ledger accent. But, like, um, and it's, like, it's, it's about how untenable, like, standing it is, about how untenable it is just kind of, like, not 
um, you know, not, not being able to be sort of satisfied and at peace with who you are and, and what you really want um, and how that ends up separating you, separating you from like the things that would make you whole. Um, basically like they, they kind of drive each other apart. Really. Heath Ledger drives Jake Gyllenhaal from him by not, by being too afraid to sort of like commit basically. Um, maybe it's because he thinks Jack Twist is too naive or maybe it's because he is actually just kind of right. And that is too big of a risk, but, um, yeah, it's good. It is well-made. I like how there's a lot of like, um, there, I like. I feel like it uses ambiguity well. Um, there's a scene, like later on, when Jake Gyllenhaal and his wife Anne Hathaway are at like that dance, um, and eat that couple, and like he's talking to the guy, and like the guy is also clearly gay, like invites him to go to like his cabin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then later, like the next time, Jake Gyllenhaal is with Heath Ledger. He's like, oh yeah. I'm now having an affair with some rancher's wife, but it's like, is he actually, or is he actually having an affair with the rancher himself? Like, it's kind of ambiguous. And like the way, spoiler alert, the way it handles Jake Gyllenhaal's death is also kind of ambiguous, right? Because, um, Heath Ledger finds out he dies. He calls up his wife being like, Hey, what happened? And his wife is, goes into this like very rehearsed seeming bit about like, Oh, he, you know, there was a flat on the road. He went to fix it, like, the hubcap blew off and, like, knocked him in and died. But Heath Ledger's, like, it intercuts sort of, like, Heath Ledger imagined it happened, which is that he got basically run down by a gang of homophobic dudes and, like, beat up to yeah. beat to a pulp. So it, it uses ambiguity well there. Um, and just, like, the beauty of the American West. Like, why I want to go to Wyoming now. Like, it just looks so, like... You and Kanye West, yeah. Yeah, right. It just, it just looks... Just looks nice. Um, mountains and stuff. Mountains and things. It's. I do think it's kind of hard to think that sequence, like where he's like beat up. Mm-hmm. By, it's like very hard to think of this movie in like separate from the Matthew Shepard incident. Because like, I do mm-hmm. think it's very much influenced by the Matthew Shepard incident. Yeah. Um, if like like obviously intentionally, but like also, it's more like. That is not why this movie was made, but the movie like felt compelled to like make a point about it. Yeah. It's like Wyoming, and like basically the exact same scene happens. Did that happen in Wyoming with Matthew Shepard? Yeah. I had no idea. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's like it's very good, and I really don't have that much to say about it in a yeah. weird way. Um, it's just like one of the first Oscar races I remember paying attention to. Like, I remember this being on the news, like, oh, this is, like, a big deal that... The crazy thing about Brokeback Mountain, actually, now that I think about it, is, like, this movie comes out today, and it's just kind of, like, considered, like, an indie film, I feel like. Like, Moonlight, right? Like, Moonlight, like, you know, was also a film about um, a gay character, very different context, but, like, it ended up winning Best Picture, got all these awards and stuff, and it didn't, like, make that much money. Whereas, like, Brokeback Mountain made like a ton of money like it was a blockbuster and it was a hit and you just don't have blockbusters like this anymore be it like a gay love story or a straight love story and so it's kind of like this weird i feel like it's almost like the last of its kind where it's like this sort of like epic romance that was made for you know like a mass market audience which i just i just don't feel like happens anymore i liked it this too was the first time that i realized like movies were a thing um because mm. i remember this like people talked about this movie 
And it took me, like, I mean, I was, what, nine, you said I was? So it took me a while to realize it was about, like, what it was about. And then I remember this was the, one of the first movies that I was like, oh, I really want to see this because I'm curious. And then I, no one ever told me that, so I, that's why I thought it was part of, like, the 1910s. And, like, I, I just, what I thought this movie was about was not what this movie was about, is mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So that's Brokeback Mountain. It was nominated for... Uh, had the most nominations of the night. It was nominated for best cinematography, one for original score, nominated for adapted or one for original score, one for adapted screenplay. Michelle Williams was nominated for best supporting actress. Jake Gyllenhaal for best supporting actor. Heath Ledger for actor, and Ang Lee won for best director, and it was nominated for best picture. Okay, moving on now to Capote. Definitely did not just have to change microphones right there. Um, uh, Capote. Directed by Bennett Miller, written by Dan Futterman, based on the book Capote by Gerald Clark, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman, Catherine Keener, Clifton Collins Jr., Bruce Greenwood, Mark Pellegrino, Amy Ryan, and Chris Cooper. Capote is the story of Truman Capote, a sort of, like, man-about-town New York socialite and world-renowned author who reads about uh, a a murdered family in Kansas and decides he wants to write about that. He goes to Kansas. He meets the two men accused and tried for the crime. Uh, he ends up developing a relationship with one of them. And it's about his struggle to kind of, like, finish the writing and, like, this sort of moral, the weird moral position that put him in to, to tell these people's stories and kind of sell it um, as as a work. Uh, that That's, that's yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Was there, a, was it a friendship or was it a romantic relationship? Uh, it was a friendship. But it's kind of implied he falls in love with right? him. Right. You right. could interpret it yes. either way. I, I, I knew I, it wasn't explicitly romantic, but I didn't know yeah. if there was like... As a person who's read In Cold Blood, um, I say as I adjust my ascot, um, I, it, it seems pretty obvious from like the way the book is written that he kind of like fell in love with him. Oh, really? And he came, like, he doesn't say like I fell in love with like there's no first person in it, but it's like he writes so much about him. It's like this guy with such gentle eyes and these messed up legs and it's just he fell in with the wrong crowd. Um, and that's how he ended up being, like, a quadruple murderer, um, which, you know, pro- pretty true, but, um, yeah. <laughs> According to Truman Capote's book. Yeah. What, what did you think of this movie, Kevin? I thought it was cute. Cute? <laughs> that's not the word <laughs> Super I... Super cute. Not the word I'd use to describe it, but okay. I was not as engaged with this movie as I thought, and I thought I would be pretty engaged with it, because I, like, I... I have never read any of Truman Capote's work, but I like the time period and I like him and what he did in the literary world and stuff like that. Um, and I, it was just like cute because like who acts, who plays Truman Capote? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like his portrayal is cute, like cute. Like, I don't know. Like I couldn't take the movie seriously because he was such, like, an over-the-top character, which I believe, like, you know, I'm sure that he was, like, he was, like, this very, like, outgoing New York socialite, so I'm sure that was him, you know? Mm. But it was... The part that I enjoyed the most of the movie was, like, him, seeing him interact with other people, like, like the socialite people. Yeah. And just how much he would, like, talk up his own work mm-hmm. and, like just the world that they lived in, how different it was from, you know, the world he was really engaged with and writing about. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed those scenes. I enjoyed the scenes of, who wrote the Cuckoo's Nest thing? <laughs> you mean Harper To Kill Lee. a Mockingbird, <laughs> yeah. Harper Lee. Yeah. 
I, Someone I, doesn't remember their eighth grade English class. For the record, I was an honors English student. I'm just better at writing than I am at remembering literally anything. <laughs> Lars. I think I broadly agree with Kathleen. Is that, uh, Going into this knowing Philip Seymour Hoffman, the actor, was very distracting. <laughs> His voice, like, I'm sure it is, like, character accurate, but, like, I did not genuinely believe it was coming out of Philip Seymour Hoffman. I believed he was, like, doing, like, a voice. Mm-hmm. Which made it, like, a little, like, silly, when it probably shouldn't have been silly. Um, but I also agree that I think the best scenes are when he's, like, interacting with people and, like, like at his parties or with, like, the prisoners. Mm-hmm. Like, the worst parts are when he's, like, in his sad boy states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, sad that, oh, his book, and sad, and I don't want to talk to anyone. I, I do think it got, like, a little slow at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I don't know that Capote is a thrilling protagonist. <laughs> like, I was he's never really rooting for anyone. Kind of a yeah. selfish knob. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't... He's not very likable, actually. This was very much... This kind of read to me as a documentary. It's like, yeah. I was not really rooting for anything just for the film to continue. Right. Um... Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's this movie where it's like, it's very slow. It's very like, there's shots that linger on things for a long time. It's very sort of like sumptuously built. There's a lot of like, nice shots of like the, the stark Kansas fields of grain. And there's like a lot of shots of like smoke filled rooms full of socialites. And it's just like, is this movie good or is it just kind of like slow and ambiguous? Yeah. And, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know the answer to that. Like, Philip Seymour Hoffman does a great job. And, like, you see why he was such, like, a like a great get at parties and stuff. But you also see how he was just kind of also a massive jerk. Like, he is just seemed absolutely, like, in love with himself and, like, completely miserable to be around in certain parts. Um, he reminds me a lot of people we would have known in college. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, like, kind of, like... Everyone was like, oh, this dude, he's great, he's going to be at the party. But, mm-hmm. like, turns out he's actually just kind of, like, self-absorbed. Right. Kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, and I agree with you about the story where it's like, I don't really know where this was, like, going. Where it's just, like, he's writing the book, he needs more information from Perry Smith. Perry Smith is just kind of like, oh, maybe. Like, it's basically just him trying to get the story of the night of the murder out of Perry Smith by, like, paying for lawyers and all this stuff and it's like do you actually care about this guy like do you actually want to help him or are you just doing this because it helps your book like what what's the deal here and blah 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 and yeah it doesn't like it just kind of like sits there um and it doesn't really feel like there's a lot of like progression and yeah it's kind of like you know it's a cool setting like both like the small kansas town and like the fancy new york parts but like it also kind of just feels like a cool setting and a famous character, and a famous book, and that's kind of it. Yeah. It kind of, in more ways than one, reminds me of J. Edgar, the Clint Eastwood movie. Mm. Um, it's a, it, like, you don't really root for that protagonist either. It's kind of, like, boring at parts. Yeah. And, like, it looks actually very similar. But, yeah, it's more just, like, a documentary of, like, a thing. Yeah. More so than it is, like, a plot you're meant to, like, root for. Mm. Yeah, it's... Yeah. And it's, like, why... I guess I never really entirely understood why we should care about... 
outside of the fact that it's like an important and a good book, like I never really understood why we should care about him writing it. I feel like it was just because it was a brand of, like I felt like they did yeah, I feel like they didn't have an answer to that question. And they're like, but it's a good book, don't you wanna know? Yeah. I think he's an important figure. Like, yeah. He's an yeah. openly gay author in America in the like mid twentieth century. I think that's very important. Yeah. I don't know that that film that this film does that justice. Right. That's actually kind yeah. of glossy. Well, over. and it's not what it wants well, to be about. Right. Yeah. Um, Which is a shame. Th- those points are kind of like straight up ignored. It's like, yeah. oh, obviously this he's openly gay. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. That's like acknowledged for the first five minutes and then never brought up. Yeah. Which I I think it would be, this is going to, this would be a totally different movie, but I think it would be more engaging if they focused on that. Because all I could think about was when he was being like a kind of like a selfish self-absorbed prick Mm. i was just like oh is he this way because he has to be this way Mm. because in his society he has to be so apparently confident in order to be loved or be appreciated like you know in order to get along because if he shows any sign of weakness he'll be teared down instantly Mm. so that's like what i was thinking about the entire time and that's what i was trying to read into but because the movie's not about that they don't give you enough of that to like consider and that was disappointing to me. Yeah. And, like, it kind of talked about how, like, he was sort of abandoned by his mother and all this stuff. But, like, it... Yeah. And it's... It... Yeah. And it's almost like a... It feels like it could really just be kind of like a newspaper article in a way where it's just, like, this was sort of, like, the moral conflict of doing the story and treating it like a novel when, in fact, real people's lives are being affected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. Capote. Uh, it won some awards. It actually won one award. It was nominated for adapted screenplay. Catherine Keener, who plays Harper Lee, was nominated for supporting actress. Philip Seymour Hoffman won for best actor. Ben Amar was nominated for director, and it was nominated for best picture. <laughs> Moving on now to Crash. No. Yes. yes. Uh, Crash, directed by Paul Haggis, written by Paul Haggis and Bobby Moresco. Starring Sandra Bullock, Don Cheadle, Matt Dillon, Jennifer Esposito, Brendan Fraser, Terrence Howard, Chris Ludacris Bridges, <laughs> Thandy Newton, or Tandy Newton, uh, I pronounced that, Ryan Philippe, and Lawrence Tate. Uh, Crash is the story of a lot of different people in Los Angeles, of many different races and genders, <laughs> and how their stories interact. Ostensibly through a car crash, but kind of not really, kind of through multiple car crashes. You have Matt Dillon who's this racist white cop who <laughs> pulls over Terrence Howard and Fanny Newton and gropes Fanny Newton, and that causes tension between Terry ha- Terrence Howard and Fanny Newton, and Matt Dillon's all harried because his dad's, like, really in pain and they're having trouble with the insurance company. And then you have this Iranian shopkeeper who buys a gun to protect himself, um, and then you have this locksmith played by Michael Pena who's fixing these people's locks, and then you have Sandra Bullock, who's married to the DA, and Sandra Bullock's really racist and mean, and the DA, and they, they get their car stolen um, by, Christopher, by Christopher Bridges, aka Ludacris, and Lawrence Tate, and, like, um, it's all, all this stuff is being investigated by Don Cheadle. He's investigating the, the shooting of this black cop by this white cop, and, like, and that's basically, it's just a lot of stuff happens at once. Um, you, you look like you want to say something, Lars? I learned that racism exists in America. <laughs> I learned that a lot during this movie. Yeah. I hated this movie. <laughs> I hated everything about it. It was just, like, 
I have some analogies for this that are really inappropriate, and I'm not going to say them. Um, <laughs> I want to know what they are. I'll tell you when the mic's off. Um, oh boy! But it's, it's super racist. Probably. It's it's literally not racist <laughs> at all. Um, but it's just like this felt like a college student. No, I back up. I I back up. This feels like someone applying to colleges who wants to get into NYU film school and or Emerson film school. And so they have to Very I have a great what about film U- school. <laughs> what about USC? Emerson Film School. Maybe. I, don't I know. teach good stuff. Okay? It's just like the other big film school. Anyway. There's another. There's a, well, Emerson is a film school. Yes, it is. I agree. <laughs> Go on, though. And it's like, you know, you have to submit your portfolio of films. Mm-hmm. It's like this was someone's high school capstone. Was, look how edgy and cool I am. I'm going to make all this. Because I feel like students always make... Two types of films, ready? The one that's like socially edgy in whatever way they feel is appropriate. And two, the one where there's a bunch of different stories that get mashed together. Also the one about suicide. And also the one about suicide. (laughs) That's edgy, I guess. It's not like, it's not the edgy that I was thinking of. And this just combines all of them and I hated every second of it. So, that's that. Yeah, we'll go ahead. No, you go. It's like, well, coming into this, I was like, you know, some people think Crash is like one of the worst movies to ever win Best Picture. And like, clearly part of that reputation is because it beat Brokeback Mountain, and the decision for the Academy to give it to Crash that Brokeback Mountain was probably motivated by some degree of homophobia. Um, And, you know, so Crash gets kind of like a lot of crap for that. And so I was like, you know, maybe it's actually kind of good, or at least okay, and it just has this terrible reputation because of what it beat. And I was completely wrong. This movie is really bad. It's and so I don't terrible. understand like why it was ever considered good. Like it there's so many things in this that like don't work. Like the 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 the, the comic relief in this I think is supposed to be ludicrous and Laren's tape. And yet like they have zero chemistry. Mm-hmm. For two people who spend most of the movie together, they have zero chemistry. Mm-hmm. All their jokes just fall flat and are very just mid two thousands hacky like race relations jokes about like oh the black guy hating hockey and like um country music being racist um and things like that it's just like very like what is like going on here and then like matt dill like matt dillon's character like his storyline has aged so poorly in the 14 years since this movie came out Which one's um, matt he's the racist cop so oh, yeah. he pulls over Terrence Howard and Thandie Newton. He, like, gropes Thandie Newton. Um, and then later on in the movie, and he, he's seen being, like, racist to, like, the one who works at the insurance company. Like, he goes on this whole rant about, like, affirmative action, basically. Um, and oh, then, I didn't realize that was the same character. Yeah. Huh. Who? Okay. This um, <laughs> will be a theme with you, Kathleen, <laughs> in this year. And so... And there's, there's this car crash, and he has to save this woman from this car crash, and the woman turns out to be Fandy New, and she's like, no, no, get away from me, you, like, creep. But then he, he saves her and stuff, and it's like, what are we supposed to get? And then he's a hero. Right, it's like... It's but, like... but get this, his partner, who ratted him out for being a racist, mm-hmm. guess what? He turns out to be racist. Yeah, he does, and he ends up shooting Laren's tape. Who would have seen 
that coming? I know. Who would have seen that switcheroo? <laughs> Not I. M. Night Shyamalan could have directed this movie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I hated every second of this movie. Um... I kind of think I hated this movie less than you guys, but I still did not like it. Um, you know who? No, I also hate the store owner plot. Yeah. Because it just, I feel like it was just shoehorned in there. Mm-hmm. I feel like they just came up with a bunch of plots. Lars, mm-hmm. I've not had a lot to say yet. Hold no. on. Okay, okay, Lars. I kind of think that part works. I do think there are parts of this movie that are genuinely like interesting if they were done right. I think the point that like uh, yeah I don't I, we, I don't disagree with yeah that. yes um I, I obviously the drive of this movie is like Americans are racist mm. we all know this right <laughs> um but I think that subplot that you just mentioned with the store owner is very like also like there are tensions that are not what the three of us as white Americans would perceive. I don't want to sound like the high school film student you've <laughs> described, but like the like convenience store or the like convenience store owner that he is has like a racial animus against a group that like he is not, that yeah. is not like white Americans. Um, and I, I think there are interesting like cross sections and I think Los Angeles is the perfect city to do that in because I think it's like with maybe the exception of New York, but I do still think Los Angeles is better for this. Um, like the epitome of like race intersection in America. Um, I just think it's done like wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Or not like wrong. I just think it could have been done so much better. Mm. Um, This feels more like that. Like, ah, ah, I showed you more than it was like, pay attention to this. It's, it's kind of like very, uh, it really wants to be clever. Yeah. Um, And it's not, it's just, and then, because it's just, nah, I have things to say. Like what? <laughs> say them. They're inappropriate, okay. so I won't say them. Um, but, uh, what was I going to say? <laughs> like, yes, like, there is the whole plot, actually, about the racist cop, and then Ryan Philippe reports him to a brief appearance by Keith David as, like, their commanding officer or whatever. Like, the idea, like, who, and Keith David is black, and he's like, so, he's like, the thing you got to understand is that, like, as a black guy in the LAPD, like, if I go reporting a white officer for, like, you know, acting on racial animus or whatever, like, that's gonna look bad for me, and people are gonna start, you know, saying, like, oh, he's only doing this because he's black. And then that's kind of, like, flipped on its head later on when the uh, dead black cop whose death that John Cheadle is investigating turned out he has like this he there's just like money hidden in his car um but the da wants to make it a thing like they basically want to like take the guy who shot him and turn it into like like an example as like oh this is how we deal with racism in the lapd and so he initially tells the da like oh hey we found money in this guy's car like this you know it's it it seemed more complicated than we thought and they're like oh like you know but are you sure like for like your community that's really the message you want to send are you sure you want to, like, take down another, like, black hero? And then he ends up kind of being, like, you know, I fine, whatever. Like, then, you know, prosecute this guy. And, like, that that sort of, like, balancing act is interesting. And it could probably make up a movie in of, of itself. Yeah, that was probably the best part, in um, my opinion. But it just, it, it didn't. And they put a lot of other stuff in it instead. This movie is pretending it has a plot. When in reality, the plot is just like 
the shell to put all of his like expose on top yeah. of. Also, it's pretending it has characters. These aren't characters. Right. It's, they're 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 are they are a gender, a race, and a job. Like yeah. that's what these people are. It, it's very like it's pretending it's a short film, but it's like made as like a big film. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, um, and like. That the plot is so like trivial, mm-hmm. but also so like you crave it mm-hmm. as a as a watcher, yeah. as a viewer, that it feels. Bleh. It's like I was thinking about traffic, which is like similarly structured, and traffic is a lot of yeah. intersecting stories. But it's like with that, like you kind of like there's some depth to those stories, yeah, and you understand people's motivations and things like that. Whereas like this, there's like really none of that. Um, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> I hate. I can't. I love Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Possibly one of the wor- most ridiculous movies I've, uh, no, most ridiculous scenes I've ever seen in a movie is when she's on the phone complaining to her friend about how angry she is all the time, and then she slips and falls down the stairs <laughs> as like the Muslim call to prayer like plays in the background, and it seems like this very dramatic thing. It's like it's this is absurd. Like this is ridiculous. It's just like, it's it's just so, it's just bad. And the, the whole, like, human trafficking subplot. Oh, that was, that was crazy. Yeah. What is that? The, oh, oh, like, at the very end yes. of the van. That makes, like, they just threw that in. And yeah. it, it has no payoff. They could have, like, made a bold statement about immigration or whatever, but it's just, like, kind of the yeah. comic relief moment. Yeah, and it, it, you know, it is. And it's like, and so Ludacris drives these people, who they identify as Thai, drive up to the middle of Chinatown, opens up at the back, and he, like, gives one of them some money and goes, go buy some chop suey. And that's the end of the movie. And then we, there's another car crash, and more people start arguing, so it's like, ah, uh, the cycle repeats. <laughs> the cycle of, of, of the L.A. racial ecosystem repeats. Um, it's, it's not good. <laughs> not good at all. Um, but it was nominated for a lot of awards. Uh, it was nominated for editing. In the Deep was nominated for Best Original Song. In one original screenplay, Matt Dillon was nominated for Sporting Actor. Uh, <laughs> he was, like, good, I guess. I don't um, know. Weird aside about Matt Dillon, like, if you watch, like, young Matt Dillon, like, if you watch Drugstore Cowboy, he looks almost exactly like Bobby Briggs from Twin Peaks. It's actually kind of funny. Um, Paul Haggis was nominated for Best Director, and it infamously won Best Picture. Um, move on to another one of Kathleen's favorite movies, Good Night and Good Luck. Oh my god, I hate this movie. I thought we were going to talk about Munich, and I was like, no, I actually don't mind that. I Dir- hate this movie. Directed by George Clooney, starring David, David Strathern, Patricia Clark... Ugh, I screwed this up. Directed by George Clooney, written by George Clooney and Grant Hesloff, starring David Strathern, Patricia Clarkson, George Clooney, Jeff Daniels, Robert Downey Jr., and Frank Langella. Good Night and Good Luck is the story of Frank... Oh, not Frank, Ed, Frank Armorrow. Edward Armorrow and his crusade against Joseph McCarthy and his uh, sensationalist tactics against communists in the United States. Um, Basically, uh, Edward Armour produces a series of news magazines about the abuses of McCarthy and um, his congressional investigations and ends up in a war of words with McCarthy that comes at great risk because... The, he, he risks being labeled a, a commie and a traitor and all that good stuff. Um, this was the first time you saw it, Lars. What did you yeah. think? Um, I really liked this movie. This is my favorite movie I ever. liked this movie a lot. <laughs> I don't know why it gets so much hate. 
I am not saying anything too controversial, I hope. Um, no, I... <laughs> Look. I actually don't think there are a lot of movies about, um... This era in American politics, and... Not directly, at least. Right. Um, and I do think it has, like, a unique relevance, like, in the modern day, that it hasn't really had since then, um, with this, like, hyper-polarized, like, aggressive political structure and political, like, maverick force. Um, McCarthy, obviously, bad. <laughs> um, but I, I think this, like... I do think the, like, intricacies and the, like, detail-oriented nature of, like, bringing him down and, like, proving, like, this is how we we can't, like, fight him in a battle of, like, TV versus TV. We have to, like, fight him, like, sentence by sentence, like, and bring him down. Um, is a captivating story. I really like the story. I really like the acting. Um, I think... I think the directing and, like, set pieces and production's really good. Um, I think I think the editing's really good. Um, I think a lot of this movie's really the cinematography's good. really good. Yeah, um, I don't think it's perfect. I don't mm. think it's like the best movie. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how someone would hate this movie. Yeah, yeah. Let's find out. Let's find out. <laughs> Listen. I am not going to argue and say that this story is not interesting or that this movie was not well done in any way. I am not saying this is a bad movie. I want to say that. I am not saying this is a bad movie. I am saying that I strongly dislike this movie. There is something about it that bores me to death. I hate, I can't stand how it looks how it sounds, how the characters speak, how the characters move. There is nothing about that. Like, it's something very personal. It's so Madman-esque. That's what I don't understand why you don't no, like it. No, it's not. It, it Madman is. is so loud and colorful and, like, suave. This is, like, quiet. And everybody's, like, so sinister. I can't... They're not sinister. Yeah, they are. And it's just, like... <laughs> so, I watched this movie... My freshman year of high school. And Everyone had to watch it freshman year of high school. Well, just I, just kidding. I didn't have to watch it. I, in, our, in our school. I'm just giving back. Right? Yes. And I remember sitting in class thinking, because the thing with me is I don't, history is a very difficult thing for me to learn. My brain just doesn't work well with historical information because it's really plot driven and I am not a plot person. I'm like a character person. But I tend to like... Um, his like movies about history because it personifies characters and it makes it easier for me to understand what's happening. And so I remember sitting there watching this movie in class being like, I should like this. Historically, I should be enjoying this, but I want to go smash my head against the projector and make it stop. Yes, Lars? I don't mean to cut you off. That's interesting. Is this movie really isn't about people or it's not about a person? It's about, like, a system. Which is why I hate which it. Which is what you hate. <laughs> I hate it so much. I think you're wrong, but yeah, I get it now. So that's my thought. Am I saying this is a bad movie? No, I'm just saying that this is one of the types of movies that I hate, and the way it was done just made me so much more mad at it. 
It's about institutions. I it's hate like, this it. This is a film about institutions. I hate it. They're not people. I don't care. But th- th- they're about all of us. I don't care. I fall somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I do think this is a, a, a well-made movie. Um, it's very like you said after we watched this. I was like, it's very compact. Yeah. Like the thing about this movie is that like it's, and I say this and I agree with its message. It's very much like a propaganda film, in a way. Where it's like about um, this, it, it's 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 designed to deliver the message that the American news media should use television as a medium to hold truth to power. And I very much, as as a as a person with a broadcast journalism degree, I very much agree with that message. Um, but you know, that's kind of what it's designed to do. And I think that that's that's some where some of its failings are or yeah it, it, it can be very dry there's no non-diegetic music in this um which i think kind of doesn't always help you know the conversations are very it's it's like almost all the conversations are like cocktail chatter or the which is what drives me insane that's why i don't like this movie thank you for saying that that's why i don't like this movie there's many reasons i don't like this movie that's one of the reasons it makes me want to like stab my ears out i can't stand it it's it, it's so, i can't stand it um it's it's, Sorry. it's it's about like a lot of people taking something very seriously and acting very sternly about it, um, which with, they should. Without it's a serious, without the excitement of like war or like something like that. Um, so I, I get like that, but like no, it, this is like a, a well-made movie. David Strathairn's very good. Um, it, the cinematography is like very good. Like it, the way like it moves through like. The offices of, and I guess he's on NBC. It tells a story about one of the most dangerous episodes in America, mm-hmm. but it does it like without making any hero. Like there is the hero is the system. The uh, system. I, I the think it makes Edward R. Murrow. You know, it makes Edward R. Murrow marker. Yeah, but the the hero is really like the press and the system that takes down McCarthy in the end. Technically, the press only refers to print media. But oh yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, but it, it was, like, very much made in retaliation to what George Clooney saw as, like, the complicitness of the American news media in, like, the invasion of Iraq. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's very relevant in these days yeah. where it's, like, the liberal media mm-hmm. is being targeted and... Um, turned into like an enemy again yeah yeah um and I, I i think the liberal media would have a lot to learn from this movie for being honest i don't know that they've handled that criticism what what well, what do you think it would learn I, I think it would learn to kind of like kind of stick to it's like don't go showy it's like and the move the point of this movie is kind of not to be showy not to mm. like be brazen it's to be like very honest in your pursuit of the truth it, it's like a higher ideal than like getting a claim or getting news itself yeah it seeks truth <laughs> it's true it's beautiful yeah, I don't know it's just, I don't know my point is like this is a thing that's not talked about in film it's mm-hmm. like this is an era in American politics that often gets skipped in like media and in news and in like writing I think they do it justice in film here. Yeah. Um, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is, like, the only other example of this era in film that, like, really does it justice. 
And that one's, like, less of an homage. I mean, I never saw Trumbo, but it was also kind of about this. Trumbo. <laughs> um, Spartacus is also kind of about Blacklist. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the most overt. Yo, this is yeah. one that's, like, literally about Joseph McCarthy, <laughs> yes. The most literal, yes. You, you have something to say, Kathleen? I just, Invasion of the Body Snatchers was, like, one of the first movies that caused me true panic. <laughs> It's spooky. It's spooky. It, the guy has some spooky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, good night and good luck. Uh, good night. And good luck. Uh, which, by the way, love Edward R. Murrow. Great guy. Good night and good luck is like has to be the most like ominous sign-off ever. Yeah. Like, it's such a weird thing to say to well, somebody. Well, I thought that's why he did it, was because he meant it to be ominous. I Maybe. I, I just, I don't really get it. Yeah. I mean, maybe it made sense in World War II or something. I don't know. Um, nominated for Best Art Direction, Cinematography, Original Screenplay, David Strathairn for Best Actor, George Clooney for Best Director, and nominated for Best Picture. Moving on, last but not least, Munich. Uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Tony Kushner and Eric Roth, based on the book Vengeance by George Jonas, starring Eric Bana, Daniel Craig, Kieran Hines, Matthew Kasovitz. Hans Schisler and Jeffrey Rush. Did that, did that. <laughs> uh, Munich is the story of the team of Mossad agents who, after the Olympic massacre in Munich in 1972, where the Black September terrorist group killed a bunch of Israeli athletes, um, Mossad went on a revenge campaign to assassinate the leaders of the Black September who organized the attacks. Operation and, Wrath of God. Yes, Operation Wrath of God. And the sort of uh, the, the toll that took on the people involved. Who wants to go first? It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> yes. A, co- a, a country engaging in extrajudicial killings. Yes. Is that, like, what happened? Yes. Okay, so... <laughs> I have been very opinionated mm-hmm. this podcast. This... There are a lot... A lot of stuff happens in this movie. There are a lot of people. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of names. You gotta follow things. I didn't do that. <laughs> So what I'm going to say is that I bet this movie is really good because it seems really good and I think it looked really good and I very much enjoyed visually seeing it and I think it should have won a lot of stuff for that. I don't know what happened in it though. That's all I have to say about this movie. Okay. okay. <laughs> Alright, Michael. Well, you and I. <laughs> um. I, I'll chime in at the end with that one scene. Why don't you go first? <laughs> okay, so um, I like this movie. Um, I for a Steven Spielberg movie, it feels very unsentimental. Uh, this is like a very dark, dark movie. Um, you know, there, there's no like awe or wonder as there are in like a lot of other Spielberg movies, yeah. and there's no like ah uh, yes sense of duty like there kind of is, but it gets very corrupted. Um, mm. I like. Um, Yes. I like this movie. It's too long. Yeah, um, I agree. My, like, chief... My chief... Yes. I have a specific suggestion right. for how to shorten it, but my, we'll get to that. My chief... <laughs> I, I think this movie has some really cool, like... So, I, I feel like this is Steven Spielberg, like... He does some really cool things in this, right? Like, the scene where Eric Bana is on the plane and he stares out into the dark night and it turns into the attack on the Israeli athletes... And then one of them gets shot and the blood sprays everywhere and the spray turns into like the sunset of like Switzerland. That was a really cool scene. A little do we want to talk about it now? 
Sure. A little <laughs> less cool was the scene where the after scene. after Eric Bana is done with his mission and he He's sees dumb. his wife for the first time in I don't know a very long time. And they have sex. <laughs> and he's furiously he's pumping away. Done and, more than And one yelling. Way. And it shows this intercut with, like, the moment when all of the athletes were killed at, like, the Munich airport. Um, and it just, there's, <laughs> there's sweat. What we hope is sweat. <laughs> flying Sprays out of him. And it's just, like, the ultimate pretentious, just, like, what the hell is going on right now kind of move. Wouldn't you love to be um, Steven Spielberg directing that <laughs> shot, though? It's like, all right, you're climaxing. You're thinking of, like, all these Israelis getting killed. And then you explode sweat. Go. <laughs> but I... I on a serious note... I think this movie is actually in some ways more resonant now than it may have been in 2005, just because we are like, and it's not like I'm getting out of soapbox, we are now entering like the end of the second decade of the war on terror, and like, you know, the the accomplish the things of which we accomplished during that time frame are like, you know, like, arguable, um... And this is very much a movie about sort of, like, the emptiness of revenge and just sort of, like, how there's no end game to it, right? Like, these people go from, from like, people who are, like, patriots and, like, who want to protect their country um, and bring justice to wrongdoers. Um, and they end up just becoming cogs in this machine that demands blood for blood for just the sole purpose of doing it. And they just dive deeper into this more and more convoluted web of spies where, like, they, like in a weird way, end up, like, almost, like, killing, like, CIA agents. Like, they end up on the wrong side of the CIA, um, which is weird, because, like, ostensibly the U.S. and Israel were allies. Like, it just becomes this weird sort of, like, game within the game within the game, and it's so far removed from, like, the original point of what was supposed to happen. Um, it just it just becomes so, like, perverted and just, like, twisted from what it was supposed to be. Um, and I, I think that, like really fits with just kind of like... And I'm thinking it's like, we killed Osama bin Laden, like, now what? It's kind of like how I think about it. And it's hmm. like, no one no one really knows where to go from, from, from there. And that was like 10 years ago. I agree. <laughs> I think it waits too long to start making those points. Is it really no, makes agree, those yeah. points of yeah, like, yeah. oh, what have we done? What was really the point of all that until the last 15 minutes of the movie... Of which seven are him climaxing because of Israelis getting shot. That I don't want to unpack that again. To, to be clear, he is like them dying is not bringing him to climax, <laughs> but he's thinking about it as he climaxes. Which seems like a thing that would prevent that, but you know. Which I also the the thing that I was really concerned with in that scene was like, did his wife know what was going on? It's, yeah, because he's not paying attention no. to her. <laughs> so I was just like, does she know? Like, oh, maybe we should see a therapist is she concerned is she like wow i kind of forgot how he was in bed like this remember does this all the time um yes the 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 point of the movie is clearly building to that is that Mm -hmm. these are important questions to ask about like what is national sovereignty what should the role of like patriotism be like how far should we go to pursue those who may or may not have hurt us but it only really addresses that like half mm-hmm. with like dialogue in the last like 15 minutes um and then like <laughs> kind of like obligatorily puts like 
the World Trade Center in the background yeah. that last yeah. shot. And it's like, was this about that? Not really, but mm-hmm. I, I guess now it is. Okay. Right. Um, that being said, I kind of like the first like half of this movie as almost like a Mission Impossible. Right, <laughs> yeah, as like a thriller. Yeah, it's like the... the it's like a, like a heist movie. It's kind of fun. It's like they're building the bombs. They're like planning out the schemes to like get the first few guys. Um, those parts, I think it does really well. Um, I think I'm talking myself into not liking this movie as much. It it's it's a movie I like. I really want to like. Right. Um. Like I on Letterboxd I gave it like a four stars. Now it's probably more like a three and a half. Yeah. I. It it's just it's not it's a little like clumsily structured. Like, it reminds me almost of, like, an essay I would write in, like, high school where it's just, like, a lot of kind of, like, expositionary stuff at the beginning and then, like, the last two, three paragraphs to try to, like, make my point where it's, like... Yeah. I feel like it deals a lot with just sort of, like, the sort of, like, the actual missions that were going on. And, like, they slowly built to being, like, more and more sort of, like, hazardous, right? Where it's, like, the first one they just run up and shoot a guy. The next one they almost blow up a guy's, like, daughter. The one after that they end up blowing up, like, an entire row of hotel rooms, like there's you know but but like like it, it never really seems to like take a toll on them until like the last like half hour or so yeah and at that point you're just kind of like and there's the whole like i don't like there was the whole like french guy like i didn't really understand why that was important like the guy because it's like you don't cup. know who he's yeah. really working for right like, where his alliances are it, like and that 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 felt a li- like I feel like you could have, you maybe could have cut that. Like I don't know what was so important about that. It's like this is such a crazy situation in like international affairs, and like the parts that they do best with it, which is like all the heist and like planning it out part, are like the parts that are least important to why this is so crazy. It's like the movie is about why this is crazy, right? Yeah. This is a crazy thing that happens. Or I always, you know, it's crazy is why it's pointless. The movie is about why this mattered. Right, why yeah. what Israel did here was like substantially important in global politics mm. forever. Yeah, but like it really doesn't focus on that. The parts that it actually does well are the parts that are about like the day to day. Here's how we plot out. The right. Killings. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, which don't do that point justice, obviously. And it makes the killing parts exciting. Like, not in the yeah. sense where I think it's yeah. like, isn't this so cool? But in the part where it's like, it's just like really well made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, I really like the parts that this movie isn't supposed to be about. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. That's, and that's how I put this movie. Boom. Yeah. Um, I feel like I had one other point to make. Um, but, I, oh, like, like the, the one thing I do think like I did really like is like when he gets back to Israel and the general comes down to congratulate him, and just kind of like... For give... a great little rate, you can get online. <laughs> <laughs> but he just kind of like gives him a pat on the back, and he's like, yeah, there's no medal. And then he leaves, and Eric Ben's just kind of like, what Like, what was that? Like, I literally just spent months like killing people, and you just kind of gave me a slap on the back and said, good job, and that's it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, and that, that's kind of how I feel like a lot of America's foreign policy has been the past two decades anyway hot take um, anything else to say about this movie Kathleen no I have things to say later alright okay about this movie no okay well Munich was nominated for a few things I didn't win any of them for editing original score adapted screenplay Steven Spielberg was nominated for best director and it was nominated for best picture 
Okay. The year is now 2006, and you are a voting member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. You receive about the following films on it. Brokeback Mountain, Capote, Crash, Good Night and Good Luck, and Munich. How do you vote? Michael, you go first. Uh, I definitely vote for Brokeback Mountain. It's just the best movie here. It's the most complete. It's like, it's sweeping. Um, it's, it's kind of groundbreaking for the time. And it's, it, it's, it's the movie here that I have, like, the least amount of problems with. And it's also just, like, really good. It's, like, a really... I feel like it's sometimes hard for me to connect with movies that are very, like, kind of about relate sometimes. Like, it's hard for me to get, connect with movies that are, like, purely about relationships and, like, purely romance. But this one, I felt, really, really worked. And was really heartbreaking and powerful. I... Agree. I would also choose Brokeback Mountain. Not only is it the movie that I have literally... I have no problem with Brokeback Mountain. Dare I say, I think there's nothing wrong with Exactly. Like, what are you going to complain about? Yeah. I think it hits the mark on everything. Everything is great about this movie. I really like this movie. I think it's like an an ode to the West and about, like, modern masculinity in a way you wouldn't expect. Um, I also think it's like, it would have sent a message. If the Academy would have chosen this movie, it would have been like, yes, we are bold, we are brave, and we do the right thing. And they did not. No. Instead, they chose Crash. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think I'll say is like, I really like the aesthetic of Brokeback Mountain, too. Yeah. It's like... I, I, I get my whole wardrobe from right, this movie. Right, yeah. No, it's like, <laughs> it's like this mix of all... It's like the modern world creeping into the Old West in like yeah. the 1960s. It's just like a aesthetically i really enjoy and it's also i think like the best looking movie like i feel like mute or mm, good angle look is really good looking but like and so is capote actually and so never mind i didn't mean it but like crash and munich i feel like it's very 2000 looking movies yeah. where it's like the way like the, it's colored and stuff <laughs> they look like those commercials where it's like no no you wouldn't steal a car right you yeah. wouldn't download a car yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> looks like that and crash looks kind of like gray's anatomy i feel like what? like crash looks like i and Crash also, like, plot-wise, feels like a network TV show. It yeah. does. I um, hate it so much. But anyway, Kathleen. Uh, Brokeback Mountain. Why? Just the reasons you guys said. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> a- anything else to expand? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's um, the only one that I liked this year. Okay. So, a lot of other movies released in 2005. This Kathleen. is what I have to say. Or are we well, going to the... Or what? Are we going to the point where we get to talk about other movies we would have nominated? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. This is the first. So, because you guys were talking about Munich, which is a movie that I didn't know anything about, I got to look it up and see. This was a year for movies. Was it a year for movies that should have been nominated? No. No. But it was <laughs> a year for movies. Like, this was, like, I feel like this is the year that I started watching movies. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I have seen everything on this list. Okay. Yeah. This is the year. This is, by the way, the first year I remember watching the Academy Awards. But oh wow, that's really special. But go on. What movies? Um, I mean, but like just like things like Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Mm. That's probably when I started was old enough to probably start reading the books. You know, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp. Oh wow! I remember um, seeing that one. That Batman Begins. Yep. Um, which I feel could have won some stuff. It was not made for cinematography. Sin City. It's not great. Batman Begins? It's not, it's, it's not great. It's really just good. It's good. The cinematography is actually the worst part. Yeah, it's not a great <laughs> It's very movie. shaky. It's the worst of the three, cool. Okay. But Sin City, 
Pride and Prejudice with um, Keira Knightley, mm-hmm. Wedding Crashers, yeah. um, V for Vendetta, mm-hmm. The 40-Year-Old Virgin, yep. uh, War of the Worlds. Did you see War of the Worlds? I like some of it. Mm. Probably, maybe, I don't know. Star Wars Episode 3. Sorry, are we naming movies we think should have been nominated? <laughs> what are we doing? Are we just naming movies that came out this year? Yes. Okay, stop. <laughs> I was like, wait, you can't be serious. King Kong! Oh my god. Like, okay, my point is that there was a lot of movies that came out this year. Yeah. If they're not great... <laughs> No, well, then my second point is there's a lot of movies that came out this year. Not a lot of them were great. Mm. I agree. I actually think the Academy did a pretty good job. Mm. I probably would not have chosen Crash. No, ironically, no. what they chose chose. Mm. Um, but I struggled to think what I would have chosen instead. Like, if you had to replace Crash, what would you? If you had to, mm. what like, would you swap in? My stretch here, and it is kind of like. I am tempted to say V for Vendetta, but I feel like that's kind of an internet-y choice, and I don't love picking <laughs> internet each. Like, I really like yeah. that movie, but, like, I think it's, like, a little overrated from the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, Sin City, I kind of feel the same way, but I think Sin City's really well made. The one I'm tempted to pick is kind of Enron, the smartest guys in the room. Was not made for best documentary. Yeah. It's like, that's a really good documentary about a very important subject at this time. I don't think it should have won Best Picture, but I think it should have been nominated instead of Crash. It would have been the first documentary ever nominated for Best Picture. Um, and that's, like, that's like a famous documentary. That is, that's a yeah. good one. Yeah. Um, lost, lost, the documentary, lost the documentary race, though, to March of the Penguins this year. Motherfuckers. <laughs> um, fuck that. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I kind of agree. Like, Eve for Vendetta, I need to watch again. Um, I like the book better. Uh the comic book graphic novel it was actually a limited series I think uh, Serenity like Serenity's yeah, good yeah but like it's not best picture worthy no like 40 year old version's really good again not best picture uh, uh, Herbie Fully Loaded's really good but it's not best picture <laughs> Michael Fantastic Four um, Brick Brick is good um, again I don't know if I know best picture that's uh, Ryan I think it's Ryan Johnson's first movie um, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's like, it takes place in the high school, but everyone talks in, like, Norse dialogue. Like, they all talk like they're in the Maltese Falcon, but it takes place in the modern high school, and, like, there's a girl that gets murdered. It's good. You should watch it. Um, that sounds good. But, yeah. like, all these aside, we'd still all choose Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. There's no other yeah, yeah, I think this is... Um, I have a question to pose to all of you, though. Uh-oh. Um, so... We've now watched 60 movies for... We've watched 60? 60. Oh, my God. For this project. Um, And we haven't always agreed with the winners, right? Mm -hmm. More often than that, we haven't. Um, And so, you know, Crash is considered one of the worst Best Picture winners ever, and so I thought about some of the other Best Pictures winners we lost, um, and some of them that maybe weren't good. Like, there were some that really only Kathleen and I thought weren't good, like American Beauty and A Beautiful Mind. Um... There's Titanic, which I think none of us loved, but all thought was kind of, like, you know, worthy of its place in, like, history, perhaps. Eh, you know. I don't know. Um, and then there's <laughs> I mean, the Engli- I don't think that. And then there's The English Patient, <laughs> oh. which we all think is very bad. My question is, yeah. is Crash the best, the worst best picture movie yes. we've watched so yes. far? I don't know, The English Patient might be worse. Okay, no. I, no. 
No, I don't agree with that. I... The English Patient is three hours long. <laughs> Crash is like a tight, like, what, two? If that. Something like that. Like, <laughs> short. At like, least it's short. But I feel like there is emotion in The English Patient. There are ups and downs. There is storytelling. There is... In my laughter, maybe. <laughs> I feel like there, there are, like, moments in The English Patient that I wouldn't call good, but I would call enjoyable. And I don't have those moments in Crash. I think Crash is just straight trash. <laughs> crash is trash. I, I feel like English Patient has moments that are, like, one star. I don't think Crash ever has a moment that's, like, one star. Oh, I, I very much disagree. Sandra Bullock looks slipping down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, that part's pretty bad. Um, okay. Ludicrous selling Thai people to go buy chop suey. English Patient has moments that are, like, so absurdly ridiculous that it is, like, baffling that it could ever have been nominated for Best Picture. But, to but me, you didn't think about that about Crash? I, I don't know. I, that, just, I thought it was, like, so... Literally every line of dialogue in Crash, I was like, how did someone listen to this and think, yes, best picture winner? Yeah. <laughs> like, I had one screenplay, too. The, right? the dialogue, so. it's like, it's like the storyline was, I think, terrible, but the dialogue was just so disgusting. But even the production in The English Patient is bad. The sand looks fake. That's His true. face looks fake. At least Crash. And they actually filmed it out of the desert, too. Yeah, it looks <laughs> bad. Like, it looks like a bad movie. Crash at least looks like a movie. <laughs> a made-for-TV movie, perhaps. Yeah. Um, my thing, I think where I come down on this is that, like, I could see being, like, a 70-year-old Oscar voter in 1996... And just really pining for the days of Gone with the Wind and How Green Was My Valley. And along come, and you're surrounded by the Tarantinos and the Coen brothers of the world, these young whippersnappers with all their guns and cursing. And then the English patient, this like old-fashioned epic romance shows up and you're like, finally, the movie I've been waiting for. And then you vote for it for Best Picture. I don't know who was waiting for Crash. Like, I don't know what... Like, I, like, the English patient at least, like, is dressed up like it. Like, is at least wearing a tuxedo and yeah, tails. That's and is saying. dressed up as an Oscar-winning movie. Like, Crash is just, like... Like, I, I don't... It's just... It, it's dressed like, 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 the tackiest dressed American Idol winner. Like, or contestant. Like, it's just so... It's Adam it's, Lambert pre-facials. Sure. I don't um, get that reference. <laughs> But at least he was like theatrical. I don't yeah, know. It's like true. it's it's like Sanjay or something. It's just like who invited this person here? No, it is Sanjay. It's like who told him he was good at singing? Who told people Crash was a good movie? And the weird thing is like Crash didn't win. Like it was in some like critics best like of list and stuff. And like I think it might have won something at a film festival. But like it wasn't even nominated for like a Golden Globe. Like, Not that those mean anything. They don't, but it, it was like... But it's a unique cross-references, you know? Right. Like, usually, like, these movies, like, even if you don't like them that much, like, they at least, like, got some acclaim. You're just like, oh, wow, the, like, the establishment was just, like, high then or something. Like, but, like... Not like like Crash is like one of three like best picture winners to like not even be nominated for like the Golden Globe for best whatever like mm-hmm. it's mm. like Matt Dillon was nominated but like the movie itself wasn't like it's just it's so weird. 
I will... Okay. I would watch The English Patient again. It's three hours <laughs> long. But I would watch it. I would never sit through this movie again. I would never sit through Crash again. I would rather sit through Crash again than The English Patient. Why? Because it's an hour shorter. <laughs> but you can do... What if I told you you can do if your taxes while watching? If you're making a movie that's three hours long and nominating it for Best Picture, it better be fucking watchable. And The English Patient is not. At least Crash is like only two hours long. It's also not watchable, but at least it's two hours. The English Patient has the, the pompousness to be an extra hour long and it does not... Get to get away with that. The only part that gives me any remote joy is when he goes, "Yeah." I would, I would sit through three hours of English Patient just to hear, "Yeah." I would not sit through any part of Crash again. I, what I think is true is that the unintentional humor of the English Patient is much funnier than the intentional, very bad humor of Crash. Yes. Um, yes, I will. Uh, of course. You get to also you get to look at Ray Fine's face. Yeah, his ugly face. <laughs> for half the movie, he's pretty. He is pretty. Thank you for admitting that. And <laughs> handsome parts. <laughs> okay, well, you've been listening to the Real Life Oscar Challenge. Um, I'm Mike Levito. You can find me on Twitter at mlevito on Letterbox at Amerimike. Uh, I'm Lars Emerson. You can find me at Letterboxd at Lars Emerson. I'm Kathleen Levier. You can find me on Instagram at Rise of the Sun. You can find all of this on thepostwriter.com. You can find Kathleen and I on a thing like that, a Madman podcast for watching Madman and talking about it. Um, And you can follow both of those podcasts, the one we're doing now. That came out very weird. Podcasts! (laughs) Get those podcasts! (laughs) You can find them on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. And on our website, thepostwriter.com. Whoa, Google Podcasts. Holy shit. Thanks so much for listening. Next episode, we will be doing the Best Picture nominees of 2006. Those movies are Babel. Babel. Um, The Departed. The Departed. I forgot to pull this up, so I knew I was on my head. Babel, The Departed, Letters from Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen. So. I'm excited for The Queen. I'm excited for Letters from Iwo Jima. <laughs> Weirdly enough, The Queen's the only one of these movies I've seen. I'm excited. You've, for never, seen You've never seen Sunshine? Little Miss Sunshine? I haven't. Oh, get out! <laughs> Do you hate Steve Carell? <laughs> I'm excited for that one and for The Departed. I am not excited for Battle because it's supposed to be very bad. Um, but thanks so much for listening. And uh, don't watch Crash. <laughs>